We began a series on worry last week, and I listened to a sermon this week that I thought said it really well, summarized a little bit of what I said last week to catch those of you up to speed who weren't here, uh, who are new with us today. And uh, Pastor Andy Stanley said it this way, what you are most devoted to will determine what you worry about the most. And then he said, and I thought this was funny and I liked it a lot, he said to his congregation, I will never and have never worried about your job. I'm sorry, I've never worried about your job. I've hoped you'd get one. I've prayed that some of you would get one and God has answered those prayers. But I've never sat around just biting my nails, losing sleep at night over your job because I'm not devoted to your job. I've never spent any time learning to have your job. I I haven't gone through an education to get your job. I haven't applied for your job. I've never worried about your job because I'm not devoted to your job. And then also this week, somebody... I told you that this sermon series is is one that I've done a similar sermon series to in the past. I know it's cheating. Uh, you're probably thinking he just didn't have time to do anything else. I just thought it was important to do again in this setting. And somebody this week reminded me of how I said it years ago. And they said that I said it this way, you cannot worry and worship. I heard it described uh, as worship as a, and worry as a seesaw, and either you're going to be worrying or you're going to be worshiping God. And I ended last week's sermon with my, my big phrase, my key phrase, and I said, purpose brings peace and helps worry cease. And I said that that can apply to the, to the Christian life or to people who aren't Christians, who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in the Bible. But either way, when you have purpose in life, It brings peace and it helps you remove worry from your life. And I told you in the midst of that sermon and made it pretty clear that I am a big time worrier. And I think that most of you, if you're like me, you left last week and I gave you some homework and you thought, man, I would, I would love to not worry as much as I do. And, and hopefully you took some time this week when you started to worry to stop and say, what is my purpose? And then, and then you did something to actually accomplish that purpose. And I hope you found that helpful. But I think you found it to be tough. And this week I did a little psychoanalyzing of myself and I, I asked kind of the question and I, I mentioned this in my sermon last week but it, was, it, it wasn't as ingrained in my brain. I hadn't really thought about it. Sometimes things come out of my mouth even though I stay to my outline pretty well. Sometimes things come out that I didn't expect and, and last week uh, I said something like this but as I analyzed myself and my own worrisome ways this week, I came to a conclusion And I think that one of the reasons it's so hard for me to let go of the worry in my life, to say, sure, I'm just going to stop worrying, I'm going to focus on my purpose, I'm going to follow the tips that Jesus gives us in this passage of Scripture, I think one of the reasons it is so hard is because I think in me, worry makes me think that I have some level of control over my life. If I worry enough, then I will be a better pastor. If I worry enough, I'll be happier. If I worry enough, then I can live longer. If I worry enough, then my marriage can be all that I want it to be and that God intended it to be. And I think, if I was being honest, and I don't think about this on a daily basis, like, well, I'm worried because, man, I really need some control. I just worry, and I only took a little time this week to think about why. And I think in large part, it's because it makes me feel 
like I have the power and the control over certain areas of my life. And I think that if you were being honest and you took a little time and even right now maybe I caught you and you're thinking, yeah, that, that kind of sounds right. Like there's something in me that, that says that. But if you took some time away and you just got away and you just took a little time to psychoanalyze yourself and think, why do I worry? I mean, what, what is it that causes this feeling inside of me that the thing that, that keeps me up at night, that makes me want to bite my nails, that makes me lose sleep, makes me kind of on edge and meaner to people in my life sometimes. What is it that drives that? And I think if you looked hard and you thought long enough, you would come to the conclusion that just maybe a little bit of it is because you think that that worry, that feeling that fear of the future, gives you some control over your life. It's like this. You think, if I worry enough, then I'm not going to get cancer. Like, I'll be able to beat it, I'll be able to discover it fast enough, I'll, uh, I'll make sure that it doesn't happen. Jesus said last week that life is more than the body in the passage of scripture we studied. And, and the thing that you kind of make the important thing is the thing that you kind of want to control and you worry about. I mean, if it's just not dying, then people think like, well, if, I, if I'm just stressed out about this all the time, then, then maybe it won't happen to me and I'll stay alive longer and I won't get cancer and I'll be able to avoid it. If it's money, you think like, well, if I worry enough, then I'm going to make sure that I have enough of it and I'm going to be able to pay my bills and I'm going to be able to retire someday. And, and so you think like, if I just worry enough, then the financial problems will be helped out and eventually everything will be okay. If it is making people like you, something I talked quite a bit about last week, if it's just that, like you think, man, if, I just, if I'm just stressed out about every conversation enough and think, oh, just really don't say the wrong thing, don't say the wrong thing, then maybe everybody will like me and I'll never make anybody angry at all. I think that we have this thinking and it's thinking that I think Jesus is going to shoot down with like two sentences. He's brilliant. I'm just so impressed with Jesus in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. But I think he's going to shoot it down in two sentences. But I think while he shows us that it's illogical and it's not accurate, I think that it is common in almost everybody. To think that worry gives us some level of control. And I said last week, some of you that are compulsive worriers like me, you understand this, but worry becomes like a part of your life. It's just like a, it's like the norm. And I, and I think that going along with this, like if you're just so used to worrying, you think that if you stop worrying, then whatever the thing is you worry about is going to happen or not going to happen. Somewhere inside of you, I think if you're like me, you've come to the conclusion that if you give up worry in this area, then it's going to happen. The worst is going to take place. And maybe you left last week if you were here and you said, Chad, I would love to obey Jesus' command not to worry, but if I do, then I might and then I have a blank right here on my notes, get cancer, not have enough money, not raise my kids well, not do good enough in school, not have the house that I always wanted, not be able to pay my bills, not have a retirement plan, not have people like me, not be popular enough, not, not, not. 
And the question is, how do we change this thinking? Because nobody likes to worry, right? I asked this last week, who here? Raise your hand, who here worries? It was 100% last week, there's some new people, maybe you're awesome and you should go live on the beach and surf and enjoy your life and leave the rest of us here in Wilsonville to stress out. But, uh, and who here would like to stop worrying? And I think one of the keys as we answer those questions is to break this thinking that says, if I worry enough, then I have some level of control. And in Matthew 6, 26, here's what Jesus says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Look at the birds. Like Jesus, I'm a stressed out person. <laughs> Just, I'm worried. And you're telling me to stop? Like, I'll give you a better idea, Jesus. I could stop worrying if I just had enough money to pay my bills. So how about I go get a, a better job and then I'll stop worrying? I mean, like, hey, hey, Jesus, time out. Like, my kid's getting a D in school and I have a parent-teacher conference every week from here on out. And you're telling me to look at the birds? Like, are you a hippie? I mean, come on, like, look at the birds. This does not seem like a good option. My health is failing. I just had that doctor's appointment. My health is bad. Hey, man, chill out. Look at the birds. What? Like, look at the birds. This is like, this is like Bob Marley style when you first read it. I mean, all week, this has been in my head. Uh, don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right, you know, because that song is called, I don't know if you're even aware of this, The Three Little Birds. And the whole song, I mean, I'm singing, don't worry about a thing because everything is going to be all right. Rise up in the morning, smile with the rising sun. Three little birds on my doorstep singing sweet songs of melodies, pure and true, saying, this is my message to you, ooh, singing, don't worry about a thing because everything's going to be all right. And you're like, that's not life unless you're smoking a joint and you're hanging out because you've already made lots of money playing music. I did have reggae on my Pandora all week because of this sermon series. But I mean, like, that's, that's not good advice. That's what we try to get high school kids and kids in their early 20s who aren't doing anything but playing video games. We try to, like, break that thinking. They're like, hey, dude, I'm not going to worry about a thing. I'm just going to play Call of Duty. You know, I mean, I'm totally chill. And we, we, like, we try to fight against that. And we're like, hey, you should, you should worry about something. I mean, you should do Something And on first glance, when Jesus says, look at the birds, I mean, we have fake birds. The school district probably wouldn't have liked it if we had real birds in here. But like, look at the birds. How in the world is that helpful? It's counterproductive. If I take enough time to look at the birds, then I can't help my kid with this homework. If I take enough time to look at the birds, then my job's gonna fail. If I take enough time to, the birds, I, to look at the birds, I'm not gonna exercise. It seems like really bad advice. But I think Jesus has a much deeper, more important meaning here than, you know, start singing reggae, hang out with your guitar, every little thing is going to be all right. And I think that you see it in the next few words. He says that these birds that you're supposed to look at do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And I think he, he says this because he understands that the people he's looking out at, the people that are listening to his sermon that he is preaching are like you and I. And we have a, a huge preoccupation with striving towards security, do we not? I mean, are, aren't just about every decision we make and everything we do, aren't they kind of driven by this preoccupation with 
security with maintaining our life, with making sure that things are going to be okay, that we're not going to get hurt by the world or physically. And so Jesus gets right to the heart of our worry, and it's this preoccupation with making sure that we have a level of security. And he says to his listeners, hey, the birds don't have any level of security. They don't plan. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't save. But God feeds them. Now again, we look at this and, and it, it might just be like, okay, there comes the reggae music again. I mean, this, this is not good. Like, is Jesus saying not to plan? There's another song that's been in my head all week. Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. If you're my age or older, then you remember when Don't Worry, Be Happy was everywhere, including t-shirts. I mean, I can remember this song just being huge outside. I have a weird memory of going to Taco Bell outside of the batting cage down in the Salem area. And Don't Worry, Be Happy was like on the radio every, every other song. And the lyrics are funny because it's really nice. It's a nice little melody. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? And you, it makes you feel calmer. But he says, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Wor don't worry, be happy. You know that part already, probably, if you're my age or older. In every life, we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Good, right? But then he says, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. Like, really? Like, that's, like, you should do something. You don't just, well, no bed, man. Concrete looks good. Cool. Uh, the landlord said your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. I mean, is Jesus saying, like, just put a nice whistle in your, in your song and, and just move along with life, not ever thinking about whether or not we can pay our bills or whether or not we can have the things that we need or provide for our kids or whether our kids are going to get a good education, whether we'll be able to retire someday? Is Jesus just saying, man don't worry about it I don't think that's Jesus point I don't think the point is in what the birds don't do I think the point is in the fact that God feeds them despite it you see this passage of scripture is not saying don't work it's saying don't worry in fact, I think that all of us would be smart to have a plan and to work hard and to save and to have some breathing room in our lives, whether that be financially or time or whatever, to have some space on the outside so that we're not sucking up all of our resources. And so Jesus is not saying don't work. Jesus is simply saying don't worry. These birds, and I did spend a lot of time watching birds. There was a bachelorette party at my house yesterday for Ashley uh, and I spent a lot of time looking at this bird, and, uh, and it was funny because I, had, I was thinking about this passage, and when you're out of your house for two and a half hours, you're kind of like a homeless guy, and I'm just like, what do I do? And so I'm outside of Starbucks, and I'm kind of reading, and I'm watching this bird, and this bird, I'm, it's like he had no clue. You could just tell he had no clue. He's just hopping one way, hopping the next, hopping the next, and then, and then he really is, it was incredible, finding food. I mean, he'd go over to the bark dust. There it was. He'd come over to the table. There's a crumb. Like, this guy didn't wake up. The bird didn't wake up this morning going, okay, I got five bucks. I can probably afford to eat this and this and pay for my gas. And uh, he just woke up and said, whatever, man. I mean, birds, like, on a whim just decide that they're going to fly south. It's like, oh, let's go south, man. Looks good down there. And yet, despite this, I mean, it, the thing is just hopping around. I'm just watching this bird. He's just dancing around, and then he'd find a worm, and he'd dance around a little more and find a crumb, and 
And despite this stupidity of the birds, and they are really stupid, evil animals. I don't know if you ever had one, but there's a reason they make movies about scary birds. Um, they find food for life every single day. And the point that Jesus is trying to make to his disciples is that if birds have the things that they need for life, then you, who are more important than birds, are going to have the things that you need for life. And that's how Jesus ends this. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? And the implied answer is yes. Can you say this with me? I am more valuable than a bird. Ready? I am more valuable than a bird. Good. Good theology coming through right here this morning. And we know this scripturally. I don't know if I have to prove that to you. I hope. But we do live in Oregon and we're near the Portland area still down here. And so maybe you are a person who doesn't think that we're more valuable than the birds. But Jesus makes this pretty clear. A little bit later actually in Jesus' ministries, he's walking around and talking to people in Matthew 10, 31. He says, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Matthew 12, 12 even shows us that we're more valuable than the sheep. He says, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? And sheep are more valuable than birds, I think, anyway. Genesis 1, this is the reason that we are more valuable than birds. It says this, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is a very, very important passage of scripture. And maybe it's one that you've heard before. Maybe you've heard that, that Christians believe that, that, and the Bible says that we were created human beings in the image of God. But you might not think about how this single truth trickles all the way down to things like worry. Like, yeah, that's great. It's cool that that's in the Bible. I mean, that's kind of, what is, I don't know what that means. And I'll tell you one thing it means this morning. It means that to God, we are really, really valuable. It means that we are more valuable than any other thing in all of creation. Psalms 8, 3 through 8 says this, and I think it just demonstrates just how valuable we are to God, how much he cares about us and how much he loves us. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. It's incredible to think about that. It's, uh, me and my wife are not big travelers. It's not something that... Um, we like it fine when we do it, but it's not like a priority. We would rather spend our money on the newest iPhone or the newest iPad. It's just not a big thing for us. But both separately, uh, somewhere in our lives, made, made a decision that we wanted to see the northern lights. And, uh, and this week, as you probably heard, at midnight, we were on Friday, we were supposed to be able to see them. And we couldn't, and we were out in the middle of nowhere, and we still couldn't see them. But did anybody see the Northern Lights, actually, just out of curiosity? Not a single person. Liars. Those news people. But, but both of us kind of decided at some point we wanted to see the Northern Lights. And someday we'll do that, and we'll make that happen. 
And, I, and one of the reasons we want to see them is just because they're such an amazing part of creation. They are like nothing that we have ever seen or experienced, and we see pictures of it, and it's like, how does that work? It's beyond what I can really fathom. I mean, it doesn't make sense because I know kind of about the sun and I know about the moon, but, but that is an incredible piece of nature. And what the psalmist says, what I just read to you is like, God thinks much more highly of us than those. Have you ever just sat under, uh, out on a, on, a, on a clear night, one of the hundred we have in Oregon every year, and, and looked up and said, like, wow, the stars are incredible. I mean, just, that is so amazing. God looks down at us and says about people, you included, even if you're thinking, well, that's great for everybody else, but you included, that's the thing that I value. I love looking down at that piece of my creation and saying, wow, that is beautiful. And here's the really cool part about what the Bible shows us. The world became tainted by sin, to make a long story short. That means people were disobedient to God and and then people started dying and people started going to hell and people started being mean to each other and people started worrying and God looked down And he looked at human beings and said, they are so valuable that I'm going to come down there in the person of Jesus and I'm going to die on a cross for them. I mean, it's incredible. God didn't like look at the mountains and say, well, they're they're fallen. Or or the dogs even which die because people have been in some ways disobedient to God. I mean, that's why death is in the world. He didn't look down and and I love my dog. If you're not a part of our church, you don't know that. But if you are, you know that I love my dog more than I probably should. He's just, he's the greatest animal that ever walked. But he didn't look down at Roy and go, yeah, I'm dying for you. He looked down at us people and said, you're so valuable to me that I'm going to die for you. And Jesus is saying here, look, look, look. The birds have the things that they need every day despite how stupid they are and how unplanned they are and how ill-prepared they are. But you are the apple of God's eye. You are the pinnacle of creation. The most valuable thing in existence on the planet. Will God not take care of you? Now, some of you, I know, here, here's what you'll say to me. You'll say, yes, I believe that God wants to take care of things in my life. But I don't believe that God will take care of things in my life. And we're really quick to point and say, well, there's starving people across the world. And there are people who seemingly don't have the things that they need around the globe. And so, Chad, this is what you want to say to me. Jesus, what about that? And here's what I think the ultimate answer is. I can't answer that in the short term, but I can say this. I think that God has provided eternal life for every person that chooses to believe in the gift of Jesus. And so even, this is the great truth that that the disciples would have never have known. They would have been like, yeah, but I know a person that doesn't have enough to eat. But the great truth that Jesus knew when he taught this and that, that the first listeners didn't know but we do know is that if we accept Jesus as our Savior, then we know without a shadow of a doubt that God will take care of us for eternity. 
And so the reality is, even if this body is destroyed and killed and we don't have enough to eat, then we need not worry because for eternity we have been taken care of. And for some, that answer may not be good enough. If, if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, you say, well, that, how does that help me? You say, well, this is how it helps you. You can become a Christian, it will help you. But this is how it helps us really is to say, God is trustworthy with my very soul. And he's trustworthy with my very soul because he values me more than anything else in creation. And then Jesus says this, more practical and it applies to everybody much clearer he says can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life the implied answer is obviously no and the truth is and medical community will tell you this over and over and over again worry is more likely to shorten your life than it is to extend your life charles mayo founder of the Mayo Clinic. I said this quote last week, but it's worth sharing again. A man can worry himself to death, but he cannot worry himself into a longer life. Now, let me be clear about this. I wanna, I wanna say this. You may add length to your life by doing many things, by exercising, by eating well, by reducing anxiety, by reducing worry. Isn't that funny? You may add to your life by doing those things. I just, uh, a, a couple months ago, took a, a, a trip up to Seattle or to Washington, Bonnie Lake, actually, if you know where that is, with a friend of mine, and he's working on his PhD at uh, University of Minnesota, and his PhD study is in the area of why people have uh, strokes and other heart failure at the times that they do. And he said to me in the midst of this conversation, we know exactly, pretty much, based on the data we have, who will have a stroke, but we don't know when it takes place or why it takes place when it does. And so what I'm trying to get to you, what I want you to know is that he said it's if you don't exercise and you don't eat well and you stress out a lot and your age is pretty much the determining factors. And the truth is if you spend some time exercising and you eat well, you can prolong this life most likely. So Jesus isn't saying, again, don't do anything. He's saying, don't worry. The truth is, we don't have any control over when we die. That is at the heart of what Jesus says. I was actually thinking about this. This is so dark sounding, but as I was driving down the freeway this morning, and uh, I, probably because of this sermon, I was just thinking like, you know, I'm a pretty good driver, and pretty unlikely that I'll ever die in a car accident. And I thought, that's the stupidest thought that I ever had in my life. It was like back-to-back thoughts. Like, you've, hopefully you guys have conversations with yourself as well. If you don't, then I'm psychotic and don't listen to anything I say. But, but it's like, what are you talking about? Like, a drunk driver could come over here and smash head-on into me right now. And I think that's Jesus' point here. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you worry, you will not gain control over your life. You cannot add one single minute to your existence on this earth by sitting around and worrying about it. And yet, and here's, this is just crazy to me, the American culture is obsessed with gaining a longer life. If you Google live longer in quotes, there's 8.5 million hits. If you Google anti-aging, it's a huge thing online. And, and I, I just, I'm blown away because 
I just, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you will age no matter what you do. It doesn't matter the kind of makeup you buy. It doesn't matter the kind of exercise equipment that you buy. You have approximately 70 to 100 years. I mean, you can't stop the aging process. I hate my birthday more than anybody, but it comes every year, even if I Google how to stop it. I mean, every single year, I get a year older. But the American public is absolutely obsessed with life and its longevity. The question we need to ask, and this is a quote, is will worrying accomplish anything positive whatsoever? In fact, instead of adding a single hour, worry tends to distract and breeds a loss of focus, which results in loss of potentially productive time, not to mention the potentially damaging effects on one's health and longevity. Worry can only make things worse. It can never make anything better. Worry will not make your bills go away. Won't. It's never going to happen. You can sit around and you can worry so hard and so long and it's never going to make your bills go away. Worry will not make your health any better. Never going to work. Worry won't make your child a better student. Worry won't get you to retirement faster. Worry won't make people like you more or cause them to be less offended by the things you say. And the truth is in all of those, in every single one of those, it can only make things worse. Worry cannot add a single hour to your life or any other benefit that you might think you can get out of it. I mean, people are like, I can control how good my marriage is if I just worry more. But here's the thing. I mean, just think about this. Think about the lack of control we have. Think about marriage. You think, wow, if, I just, if I'm stressed enough about it, then my marriage is going to be okay, and I'll, I'll worry about who I marry, and then if I get the right person, everything's going to be okay. There are so many people whose spouses just flip a switch at some point after they get married. You know people. I know you know people. I don't even have to ask. You know people whose spouses have just flipped a switch. There was no way that worry could have prevented it. There was no way they could have seen it coming. Their spouse just flipped a switch, and there was nothing they could do about it. You think like, okay, well, there's some things I can control. I can control my education. Like, I can get a degree. I can make sure that I, I study hard and all of that. I have a friend, went to high school with him. He was a Val Victorian, uh, played baseball with him and football with him, I believe. Uh, and he uh, was a sophomore in college, maybe a freshman. He played football at Willamette University and got four concussions in a week and a half. They went undiagnosed, and he could not do simple math anymore. I can control my education. You can't control your education because you could get hit in the head and not be able to do simple math anymore, and you can't get an education if you can't do simple math. You think, like, I can control my finances. Go back to 2001. Think about how our world was changed when the Twin Towers were bombed and what that did to so many people's bottom line because of what it did to the stock market. You don't have control over your finances. You think I can control my health? I mentioned this in the sermon last week. I was diagnosed with MS six years ago. Totally healthy, good athlete. Everything was going fine. Bang. My whole body was tingling. I couldn't run or jump. I couldn't throw a ball and hit any one of you right now. College baseball, I'm healthy, I can control this. Can't throw a ball. And it happened like this. 
What Jesus is saying is not don't do anything to make your life better. Don't try to get an education. What he is saying is you absolutely have no control. You have no control. It does not matter how much you worry because worry is never going to make anything better for you. And so here are the tips. Here are the two tips that I want you to have. This is Jesus' tips on living a worry-free life. At the end of this series, we're going we're gonna to give you something to put in your wallet so that you can carry it around with you. And I, I worked really, really hard this week because uh, if you're here, you're visiting for the first time, you don't know this, but I, I really like to, to have like a catchy phrase, something that will stick in your head and, and you can remember it easier. Usually they rhyme. I just want something that you can leave, because, leave with because I, when I listen to sermons, I can barely remember one thing and if it doesn't rhyme and it, or it's not alliteration, then I, I can't remember it. And so I try to get one thing and I really struggled this way. I couldn't come up with anything. Um, I was like, you know, all I could think about was birds, honestly, all week. I was just, every time I try to think of anything, it's like birds, bird, 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 bird is the word. I was like, that's all I could think was like bird, bird, bird. But but I think, and this isn't finalized, I, I still on the way here uh, to church this morning, this is bad, I'm still like, come on, get something in your head, just come up with something, and I, I don't have anything. So this is what I wrote, God is in control and he loves you, but I'm gonna try to say it like this. You cannot worry not because of your worthiness, but because of your worth. That makes sense? When you think about not worrying, you should let me be driven by your worth in God's eyes and not by your worthiness. Because you've planned enough, because you have done enough, because you've prepared enough, because you're going to work hard enough, because you, you've not been disobedient to God enough, because you have the right plan and you're going to make people like you. When it comes to worry... You should remove it because of your worth, not because of your worthiness. Don't we have it backwards? I mean, don't we, like, don't we think like, if I'm just worthy enough, and I'm not using worthy in like a spiritual term here. I'm talking worthy in every sense of the word. Like if I'm worthy enough for that promotion at work, then I won't have to worry about it. So we work and 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 we think if I'm just worthy enough. But Jesus is saying it doesn't matter if you're worthy enough. It's about your worth in God's eyes. It's that God values you. That's what's gonna give you what you need. You think if I just teach my kid enough and I help him enough and I push him enough, then, then he's gonna be a star student or a star athlete. And, and God's saying like, hey, don't worry about your kids, but don't not worry about them because you're a great parent. Don't not worry about them because of their worth. See, the first tip that I think Jesus gives us is that we can remove worry not by remembering our worthiness, but by remembering our worth. That wasn't too bad, was it? That might end up on the card right there. Good thing we record these. The second thing is this. Worry is worthless. I can do anything for you. Worry will not prevent you from having MS. Won't do it. Worry's not gonna keep you from getting cancer. Worry is not gonna give you the promotion. I've known lots of people who worried about getting a promotion, were worthy of a promotion, didn't get the promotion. Worry is not gonna make your kids better. It's not gonna get you to retirement faster. It's absolutely worthless. And I'm telling you this week, if you can remember these two things, if you can just remember it, look, man, it's not about my worthiness. It's about my worth. And if you can remember that worry is worthless, in fact, then I think you will be on your way to having a worry-free life. And I said last week I have 
little hope that, that this sermon series is going to take you from being like a perpetual worrier to, like me to, to just like happy-go-lucky, I'm never going to worry again, it's all over. But I do think, and this is where I, I just want you to kind of just tear down the, the wall that you automatically put up when it comes to, to worry. And that's like, well, I can, I'm just worried so long I can never break the habit. And I don't want you to stress out about not worrying. I don't want you to think like I'll never. What I want is for you just to say, okay, I will try to put those tips into practice this week. I will remember my worth, and I'll remember that worry is worthless. Here's your homework this week. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the birds, man. I want you to stop. You can go to Starbucks. The one in North Wilsonville has great birds. I can attest to that, go out into a park, go out into your backyard, go wherever you need to go to see some birds. We still have good weather. They're still out and around. And I just want you to look at the birds. And I want you to think, man, I am worth way more than them. And so I need not worry. And and I want you to think this too. They are not worthy of having food every day. But God loves me. And then I want you to think, man, worry is worthless. These birds, they don't worry. They get food. Worry is worthless. And so your homework, I might ask you about this in my sermon next week, is to go home and sometime this week, probably best if you're stressed out, sometimes the things that induce stress the most don't allow for us to stop and look at the birds. I get that. Man, my kid is screaming and I'm worried. Hey, I know you're like six months old, but I got to go look at the birds. Just hang on. Like, that's not going to work. Your boss is yelling at you like, hey, dude, I got to go look at the birds. Like, that won't work. But take some time this week, maybe when you're stressed out about the things that are going to come, and go and look at the birds and remember that you are worth more than they are. Will you pray with me, Lord? I ask that for those of us in this room who really struggle with worry, that you, that you, Lord, would help them to understand their worth. And God, I think a lot of times we stress out because we forget how much you care about us. We think like, I'm on my own. I mean, that's what we think. I'm on my own. I need to take care of this. My resolve will get this accomplished. My work ethic will get this done. But Lord, when we think about how much you love us, how much you care about us, how much you've done for us, we see our value, our real value. And I pray, Lord, that when it comes to worry, sometimes we just jump straight as Christians, and I'm sorry for this, it's like, be a Christian, go to heaven. But there's so many other aspects of your word that are just important to our lives. Like, be a Christian and you can worry less. And God, I would pray that that everybody here this morning would take these tips and they would put them into practice. Lord, I pray that everybody who sits in front of me today would understand their worth in you. And there's some people here that probably don't, God. They think that they're worthless to you. And they look at birds and they think, yeah, well, God likes the birds, but I'm not sure he likes me so much. Maybe it's because of something they've done wrong. Maybe it's because of a low self-esteem. I don't know, God. 
But I pray that you would break that in their hearts and their souls right now and you would help them to know and feel and hear in the deepest part of their being, Lord, that you love them and that you value them more than the northern lights, more than the stars, more than the moon. You value them. God, if that needs to lead them to salvation this morning, I pray you would lead them to salvation where they accept the gift of the cross, where you died so that we could be saved. And Lord, for some, they've already accepted that. They've been Christians a long time. I pray that it would cause them, God, this morning to feel, to understand that they are not in this life alone because you care for them. God, I do pray that you would break every chain in our lives. And worry is a chain that holds us back. I know that personally. It's a chain that prevents us from doing things that we ought to do. It's a chain that prevents us from feeling good even when life is great. It's a chain that stops us, God, from, from feeling and being fulfilled. And I pray that you would break that chain this morning, God. I thank you that you take care of the birds, Lord. But even more, I thank you that you take care of us. In your name, amen.